Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for your goodness and your grace, God, that you've shown me. You've met me right where I was uh, throughout my life, God. You have journeyed with me. Your faithfulness, Lord, I can look back and just see the ripples of your faithfulness. And so, God, in this place, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to come, to give me the words that it would be divided and, and passed out through your Spirit, giving each of us the sustenance we need individually. God, thank you for meeting us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, it was a toss-up. Um, boy, this is hot now. I'm a little loud. And it was a toss-up on, do I still wear the shirt that I had planned on wearing all week? Because, you know, I didn't want to wear it last week. You know, we hadn't played yet. But then I really didn't want to wear it today either, because we didn't, we haven't played yet, <laughs> apparently. And so, uh, still, we're a basketball school. We're gonna, you know, gear up for our exhibition games in November. So I'm, I'm prepping for for the basketball team to come out. Excited about that. Um, so no, yes, we'll still wear it. We support our college students that we put a lot of pressure on. Unfortunately, we put a lot of pressure on some 18, 19, 20 year olds. It's so sad. But today, as we talk about relationships, you know, all of us. All of us have room for growth, and I think this is one of the areas where I just went ahead and decided, no, if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know, why really mess with it? And, and that's why we've called it tune-ups, uh, because it's really, really important that we do tune-ups, whether we realize that it needs maintenance or not. And here's a couple of cartoons I found. Check this out. It says, uh, tune-ups, $90, or, or if you want me to just tinker, $20, you know, and <laughs> I don't know about you, when you start diving into how you adjust things in your life, sometimes it's just, I feel like I'm just messing with stuff that really I have no business messing with. And I like this one. If you can't read it, I'll read it to you. It's a husband and wife, and he's like, he's got black soot all over him. He's like, well, since we're going to be traveling, I gave the car a tune-up. And as soon as our mechanic fixes all the damage I caused, we can leave. That would be me trying to work on our car. Truth be told, my wife would agree. Usually when I uh, take things apart, I'm going to make matters worse. And so, yes, I take a lot of pictures now, thanks to the smartphone, and YouTube has saved me a few times, but it's usually just a headache. It's usually just a mess. Uh, I have to tell you a little bit of when, when I first really thought about the health of relationships in my life, I quickly get offended. And maybe you can relate to this, maybe you can't. I remember, I remember picking up my wife's phone and looking at it, and I'm like, what in the world is Amazon wish list? Or I'm sorry, I didn't even pick up her phone. We share Amazon accounts. It was on my phone. And there it was. And I'm like, why is there a, in the book wish list all these books about, you know, love and respect, uh, the love dare, you know, five love land. I'm like, does she think something's wrong with our marriage? Like, am I failing in this area? And, and I immediately went on the, def the defense, right? I, I kind of put up my guard, my, my gloves were on. I'm like, what, what are you assuming about my relationship that I'm not? And, and I think that we all have different perspectives on when it comes to tuning things up, right? Um, that sometimes we've just got to give it time and attention if we want it to be better. Not that there's anything wrong with it even, but if we just want things to be better. And I don't know about you, I don't want to settle for status quo. I certainly don't want to settle for what our culture has gotten into the rhythms of. Um, I want more. I want, I want God's best for me, and I want God's best for you. 
And I think that sometimes it takes us saying, okay, you know what? I'm not going to be offended about this. I'm not even going to get my feelings hurt. I'm not going to you know, wear them on my sleeve when it comes to talking about how we can make things better. Uh, because it's so important. It's so important that there are things that we've, we honestly walk into relationships with that are very deep-seated into how, how deeply we can get hurt. What do I mean by that? You know, I look at that wish list and just jo- all jokes aside, it's kind of our benchmark now of how we communicated about it. But for me, I felt a little bit of failure. I felt a little bit of maybe even like I was insignificant and not good enough in our, in our marriage. And I, I certainly didn't consciously process it that way. Certainly not as soon as I saw the Amazon wish list. No, that was not the emotions that originally came out. That wasn't the way that conversation went. But it's so important we give it the time that, that it needs. And I want to tell you a little bit about my sister, my oldest sister, Brandy, Christian's mom, actually. Uh, this was the car that she owned. I believe it was an 85 uh, Chevy Nova, not the big long hoopties Novas. This is the joint venture with Toyota, right? They just started doing some joint ventures. And when my parents found out it was a joint venture with, with a car that will last longer than a true Chevy emblem. Sorry, guys, if you love your Chevys. But we're like, it's got a Toyota, you know, underneath the hood. It, it, this thing's going to last forever. So guess, guess how many of my siblings had one of these? All three. We had three Chevy Novas, right? Because we're like, this, these things are going to last forever. And a great price. Uh, look, look at it. How could you go wrong with that Chevy Nova, right? And so Brandy, my sister, she got hers. It was that color. It was red. And there were just a few things that she, she didn't know much about cars. She could put the gas in it, and she could, she could drive decently, you know, fairly well. But that was it. That was it. So when we talk about routine maintenance, what are the, the normal things you need, right? Like an oil change, probably some brake pads eventually. None of that was happening. 30,000 miles later, this sucker blows up, all right? It is done. You're not giving me any love or attention. And the problem is that's the way we treat a lot of our relationships. We drive them until they blow up. We trade them in. We get a newer model, whatever it may be. I want us to give it the time and attention that it needs on the front end so we're not playing damage control on the back. Doesn't that make more sense for us? And I believe that as we walk through this, I'm going to kind of set a lot of uh, parameters for where we head over the next few weeks. And this is not going to be um, for just married people. This is not just going to be for single people. This is going to be for all people. If you walked in here, or even if you didn't walk in here, someone drug you in here, and you're living, you're breathing, you're, you've got flesh and skin on today, this is going to be for you, all right? This is going to be for all of humanity, and I believe we're all going to be able to grow from it. So last week, we, we kind of sprang off of the topic of he makes all things new. And I love how this passage, as I build onto it, really talks about the dynamic of our relationships. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this in the English Standard Version. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, what? The new has come. And I love this as a testimony verse, right? That's usually when we go to it. Man, this is my story. All that old stuff is gone. And then we looked at last week or last time I spoke that, well, kind of, kind of, sort of, not really. You know, there's some things that we still find after Christ that he's, he's walking through us in some dark moments, in some challenges, and even some sins that he's helping us kind of overcome and, and crucify our flesh. And what I love is how he builds on verse 17 and in verse 18 says this, all this is from God. Only God could do this, right? We talked about how there's things that God does that only he could get the credit, only he could get the glory for. 
All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So Christ has done something, but it's not just, all right, only Jesus can do it. Man, I'm in relationship with you, Meshach. You offended me, but Jesus is going to have to deal with you, all right? I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm not going to speak anything you know, into your life or challenge you, because I'm, man, if I do. But He's given us the ministry of reconciliation to bring peace where there has been enmity, where there has been hatred, where there has been something that has deteriorated a relationship. And when I look at relationships, I think this is obviously talking about those that have been far from God coming near to Him. But I think even when we are far in our relationships, we have an opportunity, even a mandate, I would say, to bring peace. Now, this is really tricky because we're dealing with people. And I love, though, that Paul adds on to this, verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their sins against them. This is going to be crucial as we walk through this today. But entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. I believe that, that God sent His Son to renew all things in our lives, but the catalyst that He uses is the person you're sitting next to, or the folks you work with, or the family members that, that you grew in, in a home under. Um, there, there are folks in our lives that God will use to b- bring about that renewal that He desires in our life. Amen? But that's sometimes the hard part. That's the rub. That's the sticky part. And so what I, what I really want us to do is to not only hold this to ourselves, but to see that there is a mandate that we take this to the world in all of our relationships. You know, the two greatest commands, I, pr- I think, pretty much sum it up, right? Let's love God, but then let's, let's take the love from this direction to that direction and love one another. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like in two key areas. And, and I want us to, to look at I want to share just real quick how I think that even the Greek tense of this word, I thought about skipping this, but I'm going to share it. One set of conditions is literally passing away. That's an aorist tense. This is a past. It has happened. It is over. It has, it has ended. And another set has come. The perfect, being brought into the, uh, a new, a newness of life in a perfect sense. And I love that. But the two areas today I really want us to focus on is we talk about how we tune up our relationships is expectations and communication. And we're going to spend a whole lot of time talking about expectations because I think this really is where we set ourselves up for success or for failure, for conflict or for peace, for reconciliation or for continuing to walk in our differences and to never have understanding. And so as we walk through this, this through of expectations, I want to talk a little bit about one of kind of my a mentor, so to speak, uh, that I listen to. I love Andy Stanley. I love his leadership material. I love the, his podcast. I love a lot of the stuff that they're doing. It's so practical. Um, and, and what, it, what he says in, in one of his leadership trainings is this, is that we all have expectations. You can't, you can't change that. Um, the fact that you're going to have them, what you do with them and how you manage them could be different. But then we also all have reality. Now, how many of you know expectations and reality aren't normally in the same world, right? But what lies in between those two things is where conflict exists. So we'll have expectations, and then we'll have our reality. And the rub is where conflict 
can begin and where it's given birth. And I want us to talk today about what do we do with the expectations that we all come into this life. And so I brought this really nice treasure box that my kids have. Yes, it does say Huggies pull-ups on it. You like that, don't you? We have like 38 kids. All of them have been under the age of uh, like one, six of them over the last three years. So we have gone through a lot of diapers. So apparently they have really nice treasure boxes now that you can put these in. But what I want to use this for is a demonstration, just a box to, to say we all come to all of our relationships with this with desires man and we can't help but have these desires i saw i saw this in in someone else's relationship i saw this between a boss and and their in their employee Um, man i would love to have that kind of that opportunity that kind of relationship i saw this in the way i was raised i saw i saw this in the way that i was raised that i definitely don't want to do it that way i have a different desire but we all come with this box of desires in so many different areas and so when we, when we come to a relationship, be it a friendship, be it a marriage especially, be it uh, just an employer, this is what we begin to unpack, our desires here. And, and in our marriage, for, for Katie and I, it was, you know, when are we going to get that nice house, right? This is a, a potato head house here that I was able to find. Yes. When are, when are we going to get that house? Or are we always going to live in an apartment? Do we, how many bedrooms do we need? Well, I didn't know the answer to that. 13 years ago. Apparently I need more. And so, uh, you know, there's always these things though that you desire. I desire to live in the same house. I grew up on one street. That's all I remember. That's, that's my desire. My wife, she lived in 19 different homes before we were married. So maybe she has a desire for stability because of that as well. But, but is it the same? Have we talked about it? That's just the desire that I bring. Well, when will we have, when will we have kids? How many will we have? Well, none at all. Don't want them, you know, or we all come to the table with these desires that we begin to unpack. We, you know, who's going to do the cleaning, you know, with roommates, even you've got desires. They better clean up after themselves, but not everybody understands that that should be common sense. Well, you know what? My mom always did it this way. So I just assume I, I desire that that be that way. But you know, is that, is that always the way it happens? If, if you can see a theme here, I have a lot of kids. This is a bottle brush. I got a diaper here. And we have so many desires. We have desires of, well, what will we do with our money? Will, will, will I have some that's mine? Will some be yours? Will it all be ours? Will we talk about it? You know, what, what's our desires? How was it handled in your family? Oh, I better not show too much. I've only got $5 there. There's a $5 bill. <laughs> and, and so, what, what will we do with, with that money? How will we spend it? Will we agree on how we use it? Will we? I had to take this from the kids too. This is their allowances. <laughs> we all have these desires. And we walk into all of our relationships with them. And we are the sum of our experiences in our relationships. And so what we bring in our box, what we carry around, is based on that. And, and we have even these desires of, well, you know, Surely she won't wear this to bed every night. You know, there's, there's other things that, that she could wear instead. And, um, and, and she may think, well, I just want, he just wants me to be comfortable and he just accepts me for who I am. And, and so we all have these different things that we desire. Um, and, and how we'll use our time. Will, will I have my time with the guy? Will you have your time? Will all our time be one? How, how will we come to our relationships with this box of desires? And you can't help but have them. We all have them. But what we can help is when it begins to change from desires to something else called expectations. You see, all these are based on what we've experienced. These are all about me 
me, me, I, I, I. And, and what we don't always understand is that when we begin to shift these to expectations, it changes the whole dynamic of all of our relationships. Changes everything about it. So now I no longer uh, come to the house and, and think about, oh, well, you know, this is what we're doing with our time. This is what I desire, but this is now what I expect. This is what I've come to believe that you owe to me. And, and we don't know exactly when this happens. We don't know exactly when, when it goes from desire. Maybe it was when you walked down the aisle, you said, I do. You're walking back down the aisle, and now it's like, I expect, right? I desired one thing, but now I am owed, right? And so we don't know exactly. Maybe it was on the honeymoon the first year. Maybe it was, you know, that roommate. It was the, hey, this has been three months, buddy. All right, I desired for three months, but now we're going to have a talk because I'm expecting something. To, it could be a job situation. We do this in all of our relationships. We turn our desires into expectations. And, and how, do we even, how can we even determine when that's happened? I think it's so key uh, because usually when we realize uh, that the expectations are there in our relationship, we only have a couple of options. Man, I'll, I'm never going to meet up to this, this person's expectations for me. I might as well just leave. Um, you know, what we started out just desiring for each other, I'm, I'm never going to be good enough. You know, I'm never going to be, uh, I'm never going to do everything the way they want me to. So, you know, you don't measure up and you're not going to, so I might as well just leave. Uh, and, you know, and you pick up your box of desires and you take them with you and you take them with you into your next relationships. And so they go with us because wherever you go, there you are. That's really deep. I hope you took notes today because wherever you go, there you are. We can't help but take what we have collected through life with us into every relationship that we have. But how we filter those and how we allow the Lord to cause us to grow, to tune up even, that's up to us. That's up to us. And I want to challenge this. That, you know, sometimes even the, another option in, in our, how we manage our desires and keep them from always being expectations in our relationships, you know, there's usually a dominant partner in the relationship. For, for Candy and I, I'm the talker. I'm the pursuer. I'm the one that wants to over-communicate. I want to, I want to solve the problem. I want to get things out. She's the withdrawer. She doesn't want conflict. Communication sounds like conflict. I don't want to do that. Um, but, you know, it was volatile in my house. We all come with our experiences that have made us who we are and now well maybe she's like it went from desire and it's expectation I might as well just give in I might as well just be the doormat in this relationship just to have the peace and that's not healthy either that's not what the Lord the Lord doesn't want us to leave because we're just going to take him with it. and he doesn't necessarily want us to just live under someone else's expectation and kill ours so that the, there can be a, 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 se- a seemingly uh, you know, aspect of peace in our relationship, which really isn't peace at all. You know, and, and for, you know, for me, it's, it's easy for me to be me, but it's not easy for Candy to be me. And I don't want her to be me. When I look at myself at the end of the day, I'm like, two of me's? No, uh-uh. One of me's is enough. And still, all these desires are still about me, 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 I, I, I. And then we begin to shift what they feel like. And the, uh, the other one is, maybe we begin to say, you know what, we'll just compromise. We'll just split all the time. We'll just split who does what with the kids and around. We'll just split it down the middle. The money, we'll just split. My money's already missing. Oh, my goodness. I didn't keep an eye on my box. I knew it. We'll just split everything right down the middle. We'll just compromise, right? Maybe that will bring a symbol of peace. But when we begin to shift from desires to expectations, what we naturally do, whether we realize it or not, is we have gone from a covenant of love 
to a contract. We've shifted from, I desire this, and I am promising to love and to cherish. I'm, as we talked about in our, in our uh, relationship retreat this weekend, I'm doing my part. I'm owning my 50%, but I know I can't control my partner and I shouldn't control my partner. I'm just going to give out of desires, out of the well of desires to feed your needs. And so it becomes about the other versus the me, 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 the I, 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 because we take that ownership. And if you will, um, it's, it, you know, we, we begin to, if we operate out of expectations, we're in that contract mode that if you will, I will. But if you don't, I won't. Because we've, we've changed the dynamic because the first thing that goes when we get out of desire is romance and intimacy. And when you think about friendships, there can be no real trust. There can be no real vulnerability because it now I've, it, there's just a bar set for me that I have to keep jumping for. I have to keep reaching at work. I've got to keep reaching with my family member. I've got whatever it may be. It's no longer about desires. And we remove the ability to be able to express love in a real way. And, and we, even in that debt to debtor relationship of expectations, we begin to remind them remember what you promised? You said. That you would never do this. You would always do this. Because that's the only type of relationship we know under expectations. Because we've removed desire and the ability to show love. We're in that debt-to-debtor relationship. And as justified as you may feel, any time that you end up in that debt-to-debtor relationship, immediately affection is removed from it. And why? Because we can no longer express unconditional love. There's no way for anybody to receive it There's no way for anybody to show it. And let me show that to you, how it works. You know, I think about my mortgage company uh, when we bought our house, and I have never received a card in the mail that was personalized from Freedom Mortgage saying, Michael and Candy, I just want to thank you again for remember remembering to pay your mortgage this month. We've included a gift card for you guys to go to the Cheesecake Factory this month. And if you'll send us what Ellie and Judah like as well next month, we'll make sure and send them something too. Thank you so much. No, I never will hear from them while I'm paying my bills. You know when I hear from them? As soon as I miss one, right? As soon as there's problems. In fact, somebody will pick up the phone don't ever try to call them. You'll, you'll be stuck in a, a, a loop of can't get a hold of nobody, but you miss a payment or two, they will personally pick their phone up and contact you directly. They'll send you letters. They'll call you. They'll, they'll, in, so when in a debt-to-debtor relationship, you've got expectations. Expectations of this is what you agreed to, this is what you'll do, and as soon as you don't, as soon as there's a problem, then we'll talk about it because you've not met the expectations. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of the way we live in our relationships, and it's so unhealthy. And it's time that I believe the Lord wants us to tune that up, that it would look different because here's what I believe is that desire leads to gratitude. We can show thanks under desire. But when you transfer the the life lived out of desire and and this is what i want and and man i'm going to look to please your desires but then you begin to shift that to expectations expectations is just leading you towards disdain for one another for hate but man you didn't do that i can't believe i knew it i knew i shouldn't have trusted you in that way that you would not measure up 
And, and we re- immediately remove the ability to be able to show thanks and to show gratitude because they're just doing what they're expected to do. They're just doing what they're supposed to in this relationship. Why would I thank them? Because we're not operating out of desire, but out of expectation. Isn't that good? It's helped me so much just in revisiting this idea because it's so easy, even if we know this, for us to just slip back into, I can't believe you didn't do this. I can't believe this is getting done. And around our house, especially in 2019, the way we live our lives, so busy, it's just about we got to get the job done. We got schedules. We got, we got mouths to feed. We got, you saw what I'm dealing with here. You know, we got stuff just going on, right? We all do. And it's so easy to slip right back into that, man, we've just got to operate out of expectations for one another instead of desire. And that's not where God wants us to live. That's not where He wants us to dwell in our relationships. And so what, what I really want, I want my wife to not be dedicated to an expectation I have, but to me. You know, I said it this weekend. I was like, I don't want her just to be dedicated to marriage, or the relationship. You know, I want her to be dedicated to me. She can go find another the marriage, right? I want her to be devoted to me and and for me to be devoted to her. That's out of desire. That's not expectations. And so we want to put that back on the table that there's no longer this debt to debtor because we were all created, all created to be respected, right? God God knows that, that you're wired to be cherished, that you need to be accepted for who you are. To have intimate, close relationships. To be loved. To be appreciated. To even be followed. But as soon as we get out of the desire lane in our life, and it's in expectations, we no longer leave margin for that to even happen. And I believe that the moment that we can shift that back and put again, on our relationships, desires, and we begin to meet the desires of the other versus looking for the desires of ourselves to be met, we will begin to see, oh man, we're out of the rhythm of you owe me, of, of you can never measure up to, I, man, I, thanks for doing that. Thanks for, I appreciate that there was, I see how hard you worked. Because the way I'm wired, when I come home, the toys could have been a disaster and, and it looked like hurricane whatever's gone through. And, and here when I come home, she's had all the kids pick them up because she knows dad likes you know some order and that brings me peace and I've had a busy day. But instead, instead of seeing all the things that maybe could have been done, I'll see the one that's out of place. And I'll be like, Candy, Candy, what's this? What is this one toy, this crumb? Kids, c- kids, come here, come here, come here real quick. This should not be, right? Because I'm operating out of expectations. It's no longer out of desire. Dad's home. I'm coming to live with Gary. <laughs> he gets my OCD. <laughs> but the Lord allows relationships to bring reconciliation. And I think sometimes we really hang our hat on the rough edges. You know, we're like, man, this is just the way God made me. I'm going to be rough and gruff and say what I want and do what I want and never embrace the transformational process that He's trying to do in our lives through people around us. And God will use people around us to bear His image. And sometimes it's a real bear to get there, but to develop His image within us. And that's His desire. So how do you know if desires have become expectations? How do you know this? How do you know? And I want to say it's through expressions of gratitude and acts of service. Through expressions of gratitude and acts of service. 
These are the two ways that I think we can see if what we're operating from. Am I operating from desire or am I operating from expectations? Am I able to say thank you? Is my wife given room where she can express gratitude? Am I able to perform acts of service or is, am I simply just trying to measure up? Am I setting a bar for everyone around me or are they able to actually genuinely meet desires versus just living in a debt-to-debt relationship? And so imagine a relationship that was built around one where we met the deepest desires of those around us. What if that was what our goal was? And I love what First Peter says, First Peter 3. That was a lot of groundwork to cover. I'm going to give you some verses, and we're going to move towards communication. Has this been helpful? I hope so. Three of you, good. Zay too. So let's read this together, First Peter 3. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And then in verse 2, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, that, that's part of the aspect that the wife can bring to looking to a way to meet the desires. The problem is, is when the man begins to quote this as an expectation and the, and the wife isn't able to, to do this out of desire to, to fulfill her husband. And in the same way, the husbands, husbands, this is what we get to live out of. Husbands, in the same way, consider, consider as you live with your wives and treat them with respect uh, as the weaker partner and as heirs with you as the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And so if our wife begins quoting this one to us, again, she's just setting expectations and we don't get to operate out of acts of service. Instead, we're just trying to meet expectations for one another. But it's going to take three. It's going to take both of us submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We both have to be centered around Christ in all of our relationships, whether it's with a parent, um, whether it's with a, a co-worker, whether it's with um, a boss, um, a, a close friend. We both have to be, understand that we're submitted to Christ. And out of that, we can honor and respect and serve one another. It takes three. I guess it takes two to tango, but it takes three to really do this and to do it right. So how do we put our eye out? How do we remove ourselves from operating an expectation and, and, and still being able to serve the desires that we all come to the table with. And this is what takes some really tricky communication. Because I don't want my wife to think that, what does she owe me? You know, I don't want her to think that she owes me anything. Because hopefully in the Christian marriage, guess what? My wife owes me nothing. And what does it mean in any of our relationships? What do they owe me? Because again, that makes it about us. Makes it about us. Makes it about us. They owe me nothing. I can't do their part. I can only own mine. And that's where I'm going to land, where we put our time and our energy. Because where we get ourselves in the cycle of conflict and headed down a path that won't be productive for any of us is when we begin to focus on what they owe me, what they should be doing. Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? Instead of focus on, man, I've got an opportunity to serve in this way. I'm going to love in this way. I'm going to operate out of desires instead of really setting that, that expectation level and living from a debt-to-debtor perspective. And as we began our Wednesday night uh, study on Ephesians, uh, it was it was been really good discussions. I, I just am so appreciative of David facilitating that. It's been so good. And then this week we got into a topic where we were talking about displaying the truth, but the truth in love. And so many of us have a different take on this. Um, but as I began to just think about it, communication is so key. And the way that we say it, though, is just as equally as important as what we say. You know, Warren Wiersbe, he says this. He says that truth without love is brutality, but love without truth 
is hypocrisy. Think about that for a second. Think about that as you look at this kid staring at me through this window. It's so fun. <laughs> is that truth without love, boy, we're just, we're just beating someone up with the truth if we don't genuinely care about them. But love without the truth, we're not giving them the whole story. We're not giving them that there's consequences too sometimes. And, and I don't want us to live in that, in that arena where it's one or the other. You know, and I love that we've been able to talk about that on Wednesday nights as we've been looking at Ephesians. And uh, even with relationships, we have to speak truth, but without hypocrisy and without agenda and without an ulterior motive. Because if we are speaking truth or even talking about using Scripture in an abusive way, it's still about us. And it's just manipulation. It's called spiritual manipulation, friends. It's not God showing His love through you at all. All right, and, and I don't think that's what we want for our relationships. I want something more. I want something better. I want Candy to be devoted not to my manipulation, but to me because we've connected, because we love one another, and we are operating out of desires instead of expectation. And I love, I'm going to add to this statement, Tim Keller, Timothy, Tim Keller says this uh, in a, a little bit longer version. Love without truth, that's just sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but it keeps us in denial about our flaws. But then he says this. He says, truth without love, though, that's just harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we can't really hear it. You ever been in those conversations before? What they said was right, but I ain't, I ain't doing that, especially the way they came at me. You, you coming at me, bro? I mean, it's not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. I work with inner city kids during the week, so sorry if you get some of that. And so... We see that when if we come at each other in our relationships, we may bring truth, but where's the love in it all? And isn't that the, the summary of it all, that it's wrapped up in love, that love is the greatest of all things? I don't care how many gifts of the Spirit you're operating in. If there's no love, you have nothing. That's the Word of God, friends. It's the Word of God for me and all my relationships. Rick, this morning, I didn't know he was going to quote um, that passage that Peter writes about how we get to participate in the divine nature and, and God's trying to work something out in us. And all of those things He's working out in us, it's all summed up in love at the end. All of them led to brotherly kindness and into love. To love. It's all leading to that. That's right. And so I believe, as Timothy Keller goes on and says, that he says, God's saving love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness about who we are and yet also radical, unconditional commitment to us. The merciful commitment strengthens us to see the truth about ourselves and to even repent. The conviction and repentance moves us to cling uh, to and rest in God's mercy and grace. Yeah, God's Word is a sword that divides even between soul and spirit, but as soon as you pick it up to use it as it's intended to be used, guess what? It's not the Lord using it. That's in your flesh hand. And Peter, we saw, he could cut off some people's ears, but that wasn't God's plan. He didn't intend to us to carry the sword. He intended for the Holy Spirit to be able to carry out that conviction. Not you, not me, but He called me to love and to express that, to meet the desires of someone else. Not tell them about my expectations and cut them down. Jesus showed us the, the way that He would serve the church. And for us in our relationships, it's how we serve one another. And it wasn't with a sword, it was with a towel. He wrapped Himself with a towel and He would wash our feet. He would get into where we're at and He would genuinely care about what we've walked through that day. He wouldn't come at us 
You wouldn't carry the sword in that way. And that's what empowers us to live out the truth. Mercy and grace. What is it that that brings about change? Do you presume that on the riches of the kindness and forbearance and patience of God, not knowing that it's those things, God's kindness is meant to lead us to transformation? That's what it is. It's God's kindness. It's not his brutality. It's not how he's beat us up and finally showed us that, man, we were wrong. I'm so thankful that God has put up with me time after time again. He has been so patient. He has been so gracious, so kind that He would allow me to continue to learn lessons sometimes time after time and finally leading me through His kindness to to change, to repentance. Man, can we be that way in our relationships? And I want to land this plane here as we wrap up and talk about how communication is so important even as we talk about our desires and our expectation. There's three things that I think are really crucial for us to grasp and I'm going to run through these quickly. The first is that it's timely. Have you ever known something that you needed to tell someone, but you're like, I'm not sure if I say it now, it may devastate them or it may just make matters worse. Or you may have been on the other side of that. I know something, I need to say it. This is, that's the, when, when's the best time when I know it? Now, all right? And so there's no, there's no discernment. There's no um, operating in, is it the right time or the wrong time? And, and I love how Proverbs gives us some wisdom on this. He says, oh, everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing when at the right time. And he goes on even in uh, chapter 25 of this. He says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Man, I can only assume that that's good. <laughs> I'm not really uh, drawn to apples of gold in a setting of silver, but hey, if that's your thing. But what we hear here is, is that it's a word in time, in the right season. Sometimes when we know a truth, it doesn't mean it's when we need to share it. We need to discern when the heart can receive it and when we're at the right place to be able to even give it. Those are both ends there. It's not an either or. Yes, maybe I pray God you'll give me the opportunity to share that with so-and-so. I really want to help them. I want to see that strength. And I'm not sure that my motives are pure yet, Lord. Help me process that, that there's the right time. There's the right time and that their heart's ready to receive it. It's so important. Few things hurt worse than the wrong words. But in the same way, the right words at the wrong time can injure instead of heal, can divide instead of mend. And I want us to discern, to pray through, as much for our heart as well as theirs for the right time. And let's look at Ephesians as I'm wrapping up here. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. We've heard this verse before. We think it's about cussing. It says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. How come we we focus on what we're not supposed to say, but don't focus on what we are supposed to say in this verse? I always hear this used as don't do this, don't do that, don't let any. But instead, we don't focus on the but. This is one of the biggest buts in the Bible that we miss. He says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. How many of you know God wants us to speak in a way that is going to serve them, that is going to meet their desire box? That's what we use our words for, not to cut down, not to use the sword, but to feed and to serve and to build up and to bring healing and to mend and to encourage. Man, I believe that. Amen. Give it up for Carrie. (laughs) And I want us to talk about how we express this with unconditional love. Right? It's timely. It's building or edifying, but it's also unconditional. Those are the three ways that I think our communication can be so fruitful. 
In 1 Peter 4a, this is probably one of my favorite verses that I would say my mom has handed down to me as a kid. And she says, you know, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And I couldn't help but think that when my mom would share this in the, in the manner that she shared it with me, that there was just some stuff that had gone on between her and my dad and their relationship that she wasn't going to tell me about. I didn't need to know. But that love really sees things through even those, those darkest storms. And I tell you, uh, as I look at how they have just finished up 50 years of marriage, still going strong in a marriage class right now at the church they go to, still growing in their love for one another, how to meet the needs of the other. And I see that how love covers so many things. I'm not saying that it ignores, but I'm saying it doesn't hold it against them. It doesn't operate out of the arena of, I expect you owe me. But instead, it can be unconditional. And Peter's quoting Proverbs 10, 12 when he says this. He talks about how hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. And we know that even Paul, Paul talks about this. How it's, it's love. It's love that can really help us stay bonded together. It's love that will allow us to serve one another. This is, it's all about the unconditional love that Christ has shown us and how we can show that to those around us. And I want us to land this plane here with this last verse, and then we're going to pray. James 5, it says this. It says, now remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. I wanted you guys to see this, that this isn't just in the Bible one time, that this is throughout Scripture of how powerful love is in restoration, in reconciliation, in how we operate to serve the other instead of saying, guess what, I just expect... This is what you're supposed to do. It may be true. Is that the kind of relationship you want, though? Do you want a debt-to-debtor relationship? Do you want to have to owe them and for them to owe you? And No, we want to be able to operate out of wells of unconditional love. We want to be able to express what God has expressed to us. We want to be able to receive it. We want to be able to give it. Would you bow your heads as we pray? You can start some. Father, I just thank you so much. I believe you're speaking to us today. I believe, Lord, you're even going to help us in all of our relationships as we walk out of here. We see, God, how you have uh, treated us, how you have come to us. And Lord, I just ask that you would allow us to move out of expectations and back to desire. To be able to express love in its greatest form unconditionally to those around us. We want to grow in health in our approach and our motivation. Discerning our words before we use them. We want them to be timely. God, we want to edify and build up others around us. We want to express your unconditional love and show grace. So Lord, we thank you for a fresh start. We thank you that you make all things new, especially when it comes to our relationships that have passed. God, we just give our past to you right now, Lord. I know there's some things that we've all walked in here with that we can't go back and undo. But Lord, we can trust you with those hurts, those wounds, that God, you're the only one that can heal and mend. And Lord, would you help us with that? Would you help us to give it to you? Would you help journey with us and process? And God, to operate out of wells that aren't from hurt, but from healing. We thank you for the love that you've shown us. And Lord, I just pray for the families in here. I pray for the individuals. I pray for every person that's here. God, would you bring about your Holy Spirit's power this week in their life? 
Let them be able to notice when they're operating out of that expectation, that debt-to-debtor relationship, and begin to be able to make that shift of filling up the desires of those around them, of serving, of preferring. We thank you that you've shown us that is the model or that you would wrap yourself with a towel. Let us go in grace and do the same. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.